with your host, Bill Lundgren, an AINC original podcast. We're not holding back truth. We're here to help you heal and become the best you possible. Here's the chair. Here's the pillow. Here's Bill. Welcome. This is another episode of Blindsight, the podcast on mental health. I'm your host, Bill Lundgren, and the program is produced as usual by the Audio Information Network of Colorado. I'm pleased to welcome you to the show today, and I'm going to, uh, rather than having a guest, it's essentially going to be me talking about a very important issue, which has to do with uh, getting care of using insurance for mental health issues and the problems associated with it uh, for a lot of people. But let me start off when we talk about the insurance industry, uh, the, uh, men- the health industry. And this is really a, a, a very major issue uh, for all of us in terms of getting people to understand that we have to make services available to people in a way that people can afford. And certainly one of the keys is the health industry, but I think that most people are really unaware how the uh, uh, medical insurance companies handle uh, financing therapists like me uh, in and providing services to you, the provider, and where this copay comes from and so forth. So let's start off just with the basics. The ways that people can get uh, their mental health services paid for can be Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, company insurance, or company provided as part of the uh, employee benefit, or uh, by just paying out of pocket. Now, each one has different uh, things involved, but let me just uh, kind of focus on the, uh, the using health insurance because they're the ones that most readily uh, identifiable. Though, I have to say, Medicare, which is primarily for people with disabilities and the elderly, does provide some funding for mental health care. Medicaid is a service that varies from state to state, and some states don't offer Medicare, much to the chagrin of of the federal government in terms of helping people. And they also, uh, all of these places set prices. The health insurance, you pay for your health insurance. And then when you use the service, you pay an additional copay. For example, for mental health, uh, you might pay a copay of $20 or $30 for a session. And then you get the service. And the provider theoretically is, is receiving funds from the insurance company. We bill the insurance company and they pay us 
uh, well, they pay us a fee that they set. In other words, if you look at your uh, at the paperwork they send you, you may see a high fee from a therapist, but then there's a fee that they authorize. And then out of that authorized fee, you pay a copay and they pay a portion. The authorized fee is somewhere usually in the area of 50 to $60 a session for a full 45-minute to hour session. If for some reason you can't complete an hour, a 45-minute session, the you as a therapist, I have to let the insurance company know that, and they give me like one-third of the total uh, price uh, that, that they offer for a full fee. And I basically have to eat it. Now, uh, some companies have very low insurance rates, and they, uh, in turn, will only do a lower uh, uh, fee to for the, the session of which uh, well, in, in one case, the company uh, will only pay their portion is $3.22, while the uh, person, the, uh, the client, pays the bulk of the up- approved fee, which is much more than $3.22. But you don't know that till you get in there, unfortunately, unless you really have a chance to go over the paperwork. And when we submit, we can do it electronically, which is which is a royal pain, but we let them know, okay, we have to give them a diagnostic code. In other words, something from the uh, Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which is a mouthful, which is put out by the American Psychiatric Association, which uh, categorizes all psychiatric diagnoses and with numbers, or we, depending on what the insurance company wants, is that there's another whole classification, which is an international classification, and we have to look that up, put it in, plus procedure codes, plus, you know, uh, make sure we fill out all the, all the individual lines. And uh, I don't do it because it's taken far too much time. I can't see it that well. It's not really, I don't find it comfortable with a uh, computer. So I hire somebody, which is an expense. And so when we, when you look at 60, 50 or $60 a session, then you figure I have to pay in, uh, malpractice insurance. I have to pay for the license by the state. I have to pay for continuing education, which is not cheap, uh, to keep up my credentials, but also because I want to be able to do the best job I can. Uh, Communicating with the insurance company is on my time, and dealing with all the the paperwork and, uh, you know, uh, running an office, providing, in in some places... uh, uh, when I have, when I've had an office, I've had to pay for parking for clients to be able to get into a session, be able to get there, uh, settle in, and concentrate on what they have to do. 
So it's, you know, it's one thing after another. So by the time you get through a uh, $60 or uh, pay on uh, a session, you know, that's pretty much eaten up. And that's why so many therapists, they may do that for a while, but they throw in the towel and say, okay, I'm going private pay. And then they may charge uh, 175 250 in order to pay for all the things they have to do and to be able to have a living wage. And, you know, and then you wonder why, why so high? Well, you know, basically that's it. And we have your care in mind. We have to be able to pay attention if there's an emergency, to be able to act outside of a session, to help in an emergency. You know, we have a lot of responsibilities, and I feel it. I'm tired by the end of the day because of the responsibility. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm griping, but I guess I am. Uh, the, the point is that I think that you as the consumer need to be aware that this is going on. Now, <clears throat> with people with disabilities, uh, oftentimes will uh, access... Uh, Medicare, they, uh, if you've ever done Medicare or seen it done, it's a lot of paperwork before you get approved, and it takes a while for approval. And, you know, when you finally get in, great, but there's also uh, the possibility that you may have to reapply and all that kind of thing to, to, re to fill the requirements of the federal government. It's not an easy task. They don't want anybody to take it easy and as they see it, or, or as, as some people see it, uh, to, you know, get uh, something for nothing. Uh, you have to work for it. And, and the same with Medicaid, which is even uh, more convoluted because it's there's run by the state with the support of the federal government, and they have their set of criteria. And on top of everything else, you know, people focus on economics. This is the this is the big word, economics. Well, they want to make sure that there is money. Uh, so, uh, as you you know, hear periodically people complaining about Medicare cost and Social Security cost, and we need to cut it, and yet. Uh, people who are providing the services are not getting that much, and you as the consumer is not getting that much. But uh, to a lot of people that just say, this is outrageous, you're getting something for nothing. Uh, hello? But the, the issue being that uh, this system is really based on economics and much more than need. Now, I'll go back to the insurance company. One of the largest, if not the largest, insurance company uh, company in the country has an annual revenue of two uh, more than $200 billion. And I got to tell you, that 60 bucks that I get for an hour session is a very small piece of that. And I have to admit, my nose got out of joint when I learned that, uh, that the chair 
of this particular company got a billion dollar, a million dollar, uh, multi-million dollar uh, golden parachute when he retired. And I thought, ah, okay. Uh, when is some of this going to drift down to the therapists who are actually doing doing the work, plus the people in the insurance uh, company? You know, when we have to, we may have to get the pre authorization, or we get uh, we get a referral from a comp- from a company. Uh, these people, or we call the company to get some questions answered, which is another whole can of worms. Uh, which I'll just give you a little bit. I, uh, you know, the fact is that the frontline person doesn't have as often as much experience with the company and company policies as, uh, you know, the higher up executives, but you never talk to the, you know, as in most companies, you don't talk to those executives. You talk to the frontline. They try to, they really try to answer the question, but many times they can't. So if you get it, if you, the therapist, get a turn down, then you have to uh, file an appeal and you have to find out where to send the appeal and so forth and so on. I have to make sure that the company gets billed within 60 days of providing the service. And if I don't, that's an automatic turn down of our submission. However, there isn't that from the standpoint of how long the company takes to finally pay, if they pay at all. And the other piece of it is I'm trying to have a healthy working relationship with you, the consumer. And when you find out that you thought you would only have to pay $20 a session and the company tells me to tell you that you're on the hook for the entire fee, you know, that does a little, has a little bit of impact in terms of your therapy, in terms of how you feel about me and how you, uh, how you operate. And you may even say, I can't afford it. And you may have to leave. And, you know, I had uh, a case where the company apparently uh, was told that they have to pay more of their portion of the uh, benefit, you know, that is to pay the insurance company. Uh, well, they try to get the insurance company to accept more, and the insurance company says, no, you're, in fact, this year we're going to pay charge you more. So the company says, no, I won't do it. And the insurance company says, okay, you can stay with us, but you'll have to pay this. And then the insurance company uh, apparently passes that on to you, the consumer, with a larger copay. And then you receiving this larger copay, well, what would be natural to blame me thinking that I'm getting more money when I have to explain to you, no, I'm getting the same amount. And just an example of an amount, a company that I started with, an insurance company that I became a provider 30 years ago, in those 30 years has increased their payment to me and other therapists by $8 over that 30 years. And, you know, that, and, you know, there are many times that people just say, no, I, I have to go full fee 
The problem is, how do we provide services for people who can't afford $175 or $250 a session for therapy? And this is where we get into the ethics and concern and, you know, wow, it just, you know, uh, it, it gets a little overwhelming at times. But that's why I'm, you know, needing people to understand, because we don't talk about money that much. It's kind of, you know, for therapists to talk about money is a little uncomfortable as it is with most people. But the point is, that's where it's at. And if, if you, the consumer, are angry at us, the therapist, for charging what we do, uh, that's, that's the nature of the beast. And that's what, go, you know, that's what goes on behind the scene. Now, one of the things that corporations are doing is, with, as an employee benefit, is allowing... Uh, they make agreements with insurance companies or what they call employee assistance professional organization. And they say, okay, I, you know, my client, my, my employee needs some professional help and we want it to be confidential. I want them to go to you. And then what happens, the company pays 100% of three to six sessions, and hopefully it gets fixed in that period of time, but if not, then the therapist may continue with the client or may uh, at the choice of the employee or refer the person for more care at the standard insurance rate. And that's how, you know, that's how the system works, whether, whether any of us like it or not. And there's also, uh, I should point out, we don't get much support from the federal government uh, as a licensed professional counselor. My uh, national association has worked for years, and finally this spring has had LPC uh, eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. We weren't before. So that's new, and that'll be interesting to see how, how that, you know, comes out. Because the other problem, and for, uh, it should be pretty obvious in the basis of what I've told you, there ain't many therapists or people who want to be therapists under those requirements. And it, it, so when we're looking for people with specific interests or someone who's knowledgeable about blindness, for example, there aren't too many of us out there. In fact, when I go to a conference uh, you know, of 200, 300 people, I'm often the, you know, usually the only person with the disability period that's attending the, the conference. And I feel like, a, you know, I stick out like a sore thumb because uh, there, there does not seem to be too many of us out there to, who, you know, are willing to uh, put up with or even to consider a career in mental health.
And gee, if any of you have ever thought of, of doing mental health, please consider it because we need people and we particularly need people with disabilities so that people with disabilities can know that, oh, here's somebody who knows what I'm going through. And, you know, I'm trying, I've been trying to find some of these people. And so far, fortunately, I found uh, a couple of people in the, uh, in, in uh, Colorado. And nationally, only two names have been given to me of people who are blind who are doing therapy. I know there are more out there, but they just don't show up. And we don't have an organization. Uh, well, the National Federation for the Blind has a uh, health provider. Uh, I don't know how many people are in there. I haven't been able to go to the national convention to uh, to find out. But I know it's, it's a pretty exclusive group. So, But that doesn't mean you don't go to therapy. You just have to be you know, making sure that the person knows how to work with you uh, if the blindness is part of the problem or know when not to be working on the blindness but working on the mental health issue at a whole different ball game. And, you know, and not uh, because sometimes a person gets so focused on the blindness that they forget that blind people have the same mental health issues as other people if they have them at all. But, you know, it's it's a crazy system. And yet, this is the system we have. And the only thing that I can say to people uh, that, you know, if you're, you may need to just let uh, your legislator know that there's something wrong with the system. If this is, uh, you know, if you feel that. Uh, but, you know, if you're okay with an insurance company paying, uh, taking three dollars and twenty-two cents, uh, and paying paying that part of your of your uh, your therapy, more power to you. But it's it's a system that does that seems to be resistant to change because it's so massive. There is such a need, and you know when they don't provide enough mental health counselors. They don't provide, an, 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 and I'm not talking just about mental health, I'm talking about substance abuse as well. If you listen to the news, how many times in the last couple of months have you heard, oh, so-and-so with a mental health problem, which wasn't dealt with. Uh, the, the, the homeless, uh, the people, uh, people on the street, mental health issues, plus sub and or substance abuse issue. There's a lot of need out there. And unfortunately, the, the problem that people keep raising is, oh, uh, that'd be too expensive to provide mental health services or met health services through Medicare or Medicaid. We can't afford what we have. And we say, well, wait a minute. If we provide adequate mental health services, can we avoid gun violence? Can we at least reduce gun violence? Can we reduce domestic violence? Can we reduce the number of people who are in prison? Isn't that a cost saving? But people, you know, don't talk about that. 
And that's one of the things that's frustrated. That's one of the reasons I'm glad I'm in the process of retiring because uh, it's going to give me some time. I don't want to, you know, crow about this, but it's giving me time, like with this podcast, to let you know what the situation is. But also, I'm hoping uh, to start giving talks at professional meetings about disabilities, about encouraging people with disabilities to become therapists, to help in that process, but also to encourage uh, therapists who are not uh, are not among the disabled uh, to understand our needs. And I'm hoping that other people will join me in that because it, you know, what what we've been doing has not been working. And I don't want to sound like, you know, a, uh, uh, well, I feel more like like the, uh, uh, the kid who looked at the emperor and said, the emperor is naked because we're all thinking that, you know, there's plenty of services for everybody. And if any of you've tried, you may find, uh-uh, no, it isn't. And But how much is adequate? And that's what is, is real difficult to establish. How much is an adequate number of therapists, uh, a, uh, an, a, an adequate price to pay for the services, and to help everybody who needs it? Boy, I would love to be able to provide uh, service for people on the street. Uh, to they're talking about mental health people going out with the police in a touchy situation. They're talking about the need for us, but okay, who's going to pay for it? That's you know the basic problem with everything right now. And so, if you make your voices known to everybody, uh, if you let your legislators know, look. Uh, something has to change here. You know, it's expensive to go through medical school. If you're going in psychiatry, it's expensive to go through social work, get a master's in counseling or social work or any of those. And so you go in there, you have all that student debt. And, you know, and we go out and, you know, we're taught to be empathetic and caring. And, gee, it'd be nice if we didn't have to uh, worry about money. And I remember going through school and not getting a single course in business. Now, I had an undergraduate in business, but, you know, uh, that didn't really help in terms of running this business, this private uh, private practice that I had and dealing with the insurance company and negotiating, especially when really what makes a difference if all the therapists were to get together and demand better of the insurance company. But, you know, so there's even some policies with some companies you're not supposed to talk about how much you get paid by the company. So, you know, maybe if we all got together like the uh, uh, the uh, FedEx people, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and protest, maybe something would change. 
but it's a little drastic in terms of what people are prepared for, particularly when they're not willing to, there's a lot of people out there unwilling to put the uh, economics of uh, climate change and put money into preventing climate change because they think it'll affect their personal economics. And, you know, we, I think we're very much in a crisis, but you, you still have the insurance company, you understand what your requirement of your policy, what is the requirement of your therapist in terms of finances, everything up front, knowing that the therapist oftentimes doesn't find out how much he or she is going to get reimbursed by the company until uh, they begin to reimburse it. They don't, you know, they're not real free with that information. You can find out, but you may have to fight with the person you talk to on the telephone to get that information because they're reluctant to let people know, or they say it was this, that, and the other thing. You also have to pay attention to uh, your your medical insurance in terms of deductible, the biggie. Those who have a high deductible, when they go into a therapist, they pay the full authorized fee until they meet that deductible. That's a shock to a lot of people, unfortunately. But the educated, the more you're educated about this before you go in, the easier it's going to be for you. So we're there to help you. We really want to help. It just, it's not easy. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to file appeals. I haven't, uh, you know, been told after the fact, oh, no, we're not paying for this. It's a high deductible and so forth and so on. But that's the price that we have for being in private practice, unfortunately. And we don't have anybody to fall back on. That's why there's often far more uh, people whose spouses have other, you know, what, what a friend of mine calls legitimate jobs instead of being a therapist, uh, to, to provide the differential of a, a nice living style. Because, you know, for a great, great many of us, unfortunately, uh, it's not there in, in doing counseling. I'm delighted to report that I uh, was just uh, recently talking with the local training center here in Denver, and they had three students who were really interested in pursuing psychology, social work, or so forth. And I say, great, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's get people out there with disabilities, out there where other people with disabilities can see us, and can understand that we can do it. We can make uh, this system work for all of us. If any of you have any uh, questions or, or uh, about what I've said, please don't hesitate to contact uh, AIN and, and uh, drop us an email, and I'll try to do the best I can. It may take several weeks, but you know, we'll do what we can. Okay. Well, we've come to the end of, of our time. This, got, this subject obviously has gotten me on a roll, and I hope all of you have got something out of it. 
But I'll bring this to a close and tell you thank you for this opportunity to talk about this. And next week, Jonathan and I are going to talk about some of his reaction to what I've said and perhaps do some clarification. So we look forward to uh, having a chance to uh, talk uh, and uh, we'll look forward then to you tuning in to the next podcast. This is Bill Lundgren, Blindsight from uh, Audio Information Network of Colorado. Uh, I hope the uh, committee decides on a new name of the organization. But anyway, look forward to being uh, touching base with all of you in the next session. Mm-hmm.